is now a blank page. Make your stand. Which one of you is Larry Underwood? How do you know who I am? How do you think? Mother Abigail? All I know is that we dreamed of her and she was real. She brought us all together to keep us safe in these uncertain times. Happy Wednesday, Robert. It it could be any day. When it when it's holiday weeks, it's just kind of a blur. Plus, twenty twenty is kind of a blur of days and months, anyway. It certainly is. It's the Groundhog Day of uh, of years it's of all things. Over and over and over again. Give you a little prediction about the pandemic. It's going to be cold. It's going to be gray. And it, no. Uh, this is an interesting Set Jetter Saturday and the fact that it's Wednesday. We didn't do a, a Set Jetter Saturday this past week, but I'm very excited because on tonight's show, we're going to be giving a first look review of Stephen King's The Stand, uh, first reaction uh, of the CBS All Access The Stand. Um, I'm very interested to get your thoughts on that, Robert. And we're going to be talking about the cinematic horror film classics, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Parts 1 and 2 including the infamous, is infamous the right word? I think so. The infamous garbage yeah. day scene, which I just watched for the first time before the show, and I recommend you go to YouTube right now, turn off this show, and then go to YouTube and type in Silent Night, Deadly Night, Garbage Day, and then come back to the show, and you'll know what we're talking about. And we're also going to be talking about um, a few other things, so I'm excited. So how you doing? Are you ready for Christmas, sir? I am. So we just had our another snowstorm today and so i can actually hear the wind howling we're having like up to 50 mile per hour winds and snow right now so oh my gosh crazy outside so that's why i kind of look it, i sent you that picture earlier i'm like it looks, looks like the shining outside because yeah not quite in the middle of nowhere but no it does it looks like the shining i i i imagine you by a typewriter yeah. typing the same thing over and over again <laughs> speaking Do you, of that type the typewriter does show up in the stand yes the typewriter was there i was thinking about that the other night because i remember as a kid we had a typewriter and they were more fun it for me it was like a game it was uh you know mom can i take the typewriter out and it's like sure and they would set it up and i would like type things and i was like this is awesome and you had to be very careful because if you messed up you could erase it but it wasn't like a computer it was you really had to like be on it yeah, I don't think kids understand where you had, we had to know when to hit return, and we had a lot of hyphenation rules, and that you just you don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah, I think that's or, where the double space came after a period, right? I'm still a double spacer. I, I are you? 
Yeah. Okay, so you're a double spacer. I was a double spacer up until about two years ago. And my boss said, like, you don't have to do that. That's not what's done anymore. So I was like, okay. So I stopped doing it. And then up until not too long ago, I was still in like an email. Dear whatever, return. This is the most exciting radio listeners, I understand. <laughs> and then I do the tab. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like the indentation. And, and then my boss again was like, that makes you look like an old person. Do go. And I was like, okay, you're like 25 years older than me. Let's. So, so I listened to her, and it makes sense because nobody does that anymore. Yeah. I, I need the, the beat, I think, because I was a. My, my undergrad degree was broadcast journalism. And so, uh, like Mine sometimes too. you would actually put in the, the, the sign for ta- to take a beat, pause uh, for different things. So, oh, yeah. I think that's, why I, that's probably why I still kind of believe in it because I. I I read it like I say it. You yeah, do. You're you're li- you're an honest. You're a straight shooter. What was your uh, undergrad major? Uh, broadcasting journalism. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that was I mine too. Radio, TV, and you know, you know, they have you a little do a little bit of everything. And I realized my last semester, I'm like, I didn't want to do that every day. You know, <laughs> the yeah. broadcast television. Right. Now, of course, broadcast news and everything is completely different. It, yeah, it's complete. Yeah, it's all. Um, micro journalism and such i wanted to be a weatherman for a long time i thought it'd be the best job in the world i i would still would love to do that but I, I thought it'd be the best job in the world just to get on the news and be like okay coming up out of the forefront we have some flurries coming in omaha is going to reach highs of 68 lows of 47 but um it probably stemmed from loving the movie groundhog day so much yeah i don't know why you really don't have to be that correct that often you just have to yeah, you just have to kind of roll with it and be entertaining. Uh, you're listening to the podcast, we'll Set Chatter Saturdays, with Robert Patterson, the host, the host, the author, and uh, you're kind of the host, uh, blogger of the website, set-jetter.com. We're going to be jumping into something very excited tonight. We're going to talk about our first reactions of Stephen King's The Stand on CBS All Access. So, Robert, what are, what are your takeaways from the, the pilot episode? Stand 2.0, I guess we'll call it, since there was Stand 1994 as well. But 2.0. Um, I'll, you know, right off the bat, and I, I've seen some other uh, critical uh, pieces about that. The I, I don't like the back and forth. Uh, I, I, I like I like the linear aspect of storytelling, and uh, I, I don't like this. You know, we start somewhere and then we go back five months, and then we go up, you know, a year, and then back another three months, and it's kind of back and forth. And uh, I, I remember, I think J.J. Abrams, I think, was the, one of the first ones that used this to the nth degree in Alias, where they'd have this opening scene and I'd be like, what's going on? Is she dead? And, and then they would have like yeah. 24 hours earlier. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. I didn't, like, did I miss an episode? Um, right. And then they did it so often that I was just like, all right, this is <laughs> we're somewhere in time. But the reason I guess it bugged me is because I like this is they're going to have a lot more hours to, uh, to be able to do this and they can do a lot of world building. And the reason the stand novel, I think one of the reasons it works so well, especially the, the first half of it was this building of the pandemic and what was happening wave by wave. And yes, um, I, I remember uh, they talked about the second wave, you know, the, the first wave that, you know, killed people uh, through the, captain trips and then they talked about second wave of people that didn't die by captain trips but died because there was no people around and they 
ran out of water and they, yeah, you know, all, all these kind of different things for the second wave of, of losing the population. And I, I feel like that's all just going to be gone. Kind of gloss that Yeah. Over. That, I agree with you 100%. And I feel like um, not uh, like the book is really good, like you said, with building up the plague. And there's only been one episode released of Stand 2.0. So I don't know if they're going to dive more into that. But I feel like they didn't do enough of the plague. They kind of jumped right into Stu Redman. Um, they focused too much on Harold Lauder. And I, I agree. I don't like the, the nonlinear story anyway. Because what the, the book does is they jump from character to character and show character development, which works. But in, in this one, they took the liberty of jumping, doing flashbacks, which, which didn't really work. And it got kind of bad. It, it like kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. And I feel like they should have been more faithful to the book. There's little examples like uh, Mother, Abigail, Mother Abigail's from Hemingford Home, Nebraska in the book and subsequent TV but in this one, it was Hemingford Home, Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, yeah. She and just called about. I'm like, what? Did she? Was that? A, was that like a an error, or was that intentional? Because it's a it, weird thing to do. It'd have to be intentional, and because King actually, you and probably because I'm from Nebraska, so I'm usually kind of keyed into when he uh, he likes Nebraska, and Nebraska is kind of I think he's used as kind of the center of the United States, and yeah, and pops up like Children of the Corn, and and there was a reason she was from Nebraska and not Colorado, where that's where everybody goes to Colorado. Um, so obviously, his, his, uh, Stephen King was involved in this, and his son was involved in writing uh, it as well. So they, they knew what they were doing. I don't think it was, a, it was okay. intentional to change it. All right. so why, I'm not sure, but may, maybe we'll find out later. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, maybe maybe I, it was I our thought, governor. That... <laughs> right, Ricketts is in charge. Yeah. Don't wear your mask. <laughs> says Ricketts. No. No, nobody would have survived in Nebraska. They're like, yeah, she she needs to be from Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. Like just throw her in a, in a blue state that they yeah. have like a, cur- a hold on this curve a little bit better. Just throw them in there. Where no, marijuana is legal. Yeah, l- legal marijuana states and that's where she needs to be from. Right. Yeah, Rocky Mountain High. Just throw her in there. I I do I did like the aspect of the stand uh that they they have it modernized with technology. Because the 1994 one, I, I really enjoyed that miniseries, but it is very dated in, in the sense it's a product of the time. Mm-hmm. But I do like that they, you know, they talk about Instagram and they kind of modernize the setting, which is good. Or they did modernize the setting. Um, my big takeaway was I like, you don't see much of Randall Flagg in the first one, but I feel like he just looks cooler. I mean, Jamie Sheridan did a good job, but, those, you know, it was tough with the, with the mullet and everything. It was kind of tough to really, like, believe him. Yeah, the a lot of double denim and uh, yeah, he 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 looked about five foot six compared to some others. That and not that you need to be tall to be intimidating, but right. We're, this is the movies, you know. Yeah, yeah, you should be a little taller. Yeah. Um, but I did like the technology a little bit. Um, I feel like the casting w- wasn't the character development wasn't as good as it should have been. They just. They don't show really a lot of Stu Redman's development. Stu Redman, by the way, is played by James Marston, and he's a great actor, but I feel like they just kind of jumped to him already in custody, and they don't really do his character development. They could have done a little bit more. Uh, Owen Teague, he plays Harold Lauder. Yeah, so some of these people I'm not familiar with. Now, one thing I did like that Owen did was when he's in the mirror, uh, 
practicing uh, to a Tom Cruise picture. <laughs> oh, that was creepy because he's yeah. doing, by the way, slight spoiler alert to this one, but he's doing the phase and then the face and the final one. He's like, Argh! and he really like, I, I feel like he, what I was going to say is I feel like he was perfectly cast uh, as that character because he is this creepy kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, so, I don't, oh, go ahead. For Franny, and, and I don't know if we're spoiling, you know, because uh, they show her, they flash, flash forward, and then she's pregnant. And I think if you're not familiar with the novel, you would assume that maybe James Marston is, or Steve Redmond is the father, you know? Yeah. Um, yes. Even though, if you read the book, she's pregnant before, before all this begins. Right. If I'm remembering correctly. Now they could have changed it too, but I was like, if you're, you're right, if you're watching this first time with no, never read the novel, never saw the other miniseries, you would just kind of make some assumptions there. Yeah, you're right. She was pregnant in the novel before, and I'm very curious to see if they make it like his in this or however they do that because they don't. They, well, they, she probably was pregnant before because she did allude to her dad, like I got to talk to you about something. It can yeah. wait. So who knows? But um. I felt like the actress, she's 22, she's a perfect age for that, but I felt like she looks a little too young to be dating James Marsden. He looks kind of like her dad. He, yeah, he's probably, he actually probably is her, what would be her dad's age. Because he is like probably in his mid-40s at this point. Yeah, he's been around, so probably so. And Molly Ringwald played her uh, in the original. And yeah, um, and I think, I think Molly kind of brought the right amount of because Franny's not all that likable either in novel or no. movie. Um, and um, that's <laughs> why so I thought Molly was probably perfect because, you know, you see her and you, and you bring Claire from Breakfast Club and, you know, she, she kind of has these uh, yeah. personality traits that kind of come along with her that kind of fit with Franny. And it was also kind of a shorthand that you kind of knew who Franny was just by looking at Molly Ringwald. That's a really good point. And I, I remember when, watching the 94 miniseries. And I thought then uh, she was a good choice because she wasn't like the it girl that she was in the 80s anymore at that point. She kind of, she already peaked at that point. And, but you still knew who she was. She was still very famous. And she brought the right amount of like, she's kind of a bitch, but she's not. She's still like a good person. But, um, and I don't know. We'll, we'll see what, we'll see what happens with this. But my initial takeaway was they should have been a little bit more faithful to the sequence of events in the novel. And maybe more character development. I don't know. So, and we're missing a lot of characters uh, after a good. Mm-hmm. I think it was an hour episode. So obviously we don't have um, any of the New York characters or um, others that we had been int- would be introduced to along the way. And so I don't know if they like the next episode. We'll kind of concentrate on the next three. Um, True. But, and that's why I li- that's why I like the linear version. And I think of. Uh, directors that like uh, Paul Anderson and and Robert Altman, you know, like I think about Magnolia and uh, yeah, the play, you know, where they have this huge cast of characters that um, are all in their separate silos, and by the end, they're all interconnected. Um, and good point. And they're able to orchestrate that, and that I think I love uh, movies that do that, and and I think those two directors in particular seem to kind of thrive on that type of script. I agree. That's a that's a good uh that's a good assessment. That's a good analysis. I, I, I do hope that Larry Underwood's Baby Can You Dig Your Man comes back because that was a great song, Mr. Patterson. I think they 
I don't know. Well, I, I was listening for it at one point because I was like, it's going to be, you know, because I think it's going to be kind of teed up in the in the radio somewhere uh, behind. But I don't think I heard it. Or maybe there was a song at the end. But Oh, yeah. Uh, this was the Billy Joel. Okay. Yeah, that was a good choice. I, I do. King talked about, too. He updated the stand. He like rewrote, not rewrote it, but he updated the novel because a lot of the things um, that he that bothered him, even with the 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 rewrite, was he still left the prices the same. Um, you know, like it was like 1990 or something when the rewrite happened, and gas was still like 30 cents a gallon or something like that. <laughs> so I, I I think it'd be cool. I think it's always cool when the stand gets like a good updated version and it's modernized because. Um, you know, it's a timeless story, but the yeah. backdrop of technology always changes, and I think that's I think that's important. So I'm really yeah. I'm excited. I'm going to watch the whole thing. I I wasn't blown away by the 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 first episode. Um, and I don't, what do you think? Do you I mean, are people ready to watch a miniseries about a pandemic during the pandemic? Um, I think so. And I, I was wondering, and I think obviously the script just went well before the pandemic, and they shot it, uh, and it did start making me wonder. I'm like, is it nonlinear? Um, did they edit it differently than it was originally scripted? I don't know. Um, could, yeah. could be the possibility. Um, I think if we went back a few months, people might not have been ready. But I think people are ready to people are ready to be size. done with this pandemic, obviously. And so maybe yeah. this will be a way. But uh, but it's I don't know. It, it's confusing. Uh, there's there's some confusion to it. I do like that they they brought. It's not good effects necessarily but they brought the lower jowls uh people's kind Ooh, of yeah i did like that it. i remember that uh in the book that they, they didn't really do in the um no the first miniseries so yeah the, 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 the lower jowls are filled with like yeah. the fluid yeah oh that's Just, nasty how could you even breathe with that yeah and he cuts them oh um it was a nice effect though yeah and uh and I like coming to some of these one-offs, which the, the miniseries did too. So this one had, you know, J.K. Simmons in a, more or less a one-scene role. Um, and I remember the original miniseries had that as well. I think Ed Harris was, he had a couple scenes. Uh, yeah. Kathy Bates was in one scene. It's just kind of like these little tentpole Yeah, she played Ray Flowers. Here along the way, so. Yeah, I thought, I thought um, uh, the guy that plays Starkey in the new one, what, what's his name? I'm sorry. Um, General Starkey. Uh, uh, J.K. Simmons? J.K. Simmons was perfectly cast because it's a it's a matter it's an authoritative authoritative figure. Ed Harris was perfectly cast. So when they wouldn't show Starkey, I was thinking maybe a weird thought came to me. Maybe it's going to be like Jamie Sheridan or some. It's going to be something. Somebody. And then they showed J.K. Simmons. I was like, oh, that's perfect because you believe it. You know, and that that's where I go back. That's kind of the shorthand of movie dumb where. As soon as you see him, you're like, oh, this is serious. You know, it's, you know, he's kind Ooh, of like yeah. a Donald Sutherland type where you're like, oh, this, you know, he's important and he will be gone quickly because the, we can't afford him for uh, <laughs> right, yeah. of shooting. <laughs> right. He'll be gone. Yeah. But this is important. So we're just going to crowbar him in and you're going to yeah. believe it and it's going to work. And I do like um, the, they added the character Jim Ellison here, which they I don't remember if they did that in '94. No, I don't know. That 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 was a new character, and uh, he was kind of quirky, a little bit, uh, kind of all over the place. But yeah, and, uh, it was good. Stu, it was a good companion piece to uh, Stu Redmond because in the original in the novel, it's assholes, just like we're gonna prick you and do this, and 
they had one guy that's like, hey, I'm just going to explain what's going on. It kind of humanized it and modernized it a little bit to where, well, we're trying to stop this thing. Yeah. We're trying to retrace the steps and figure out why. So can you help us like save the world? And that makes sense. Because one thing that bothered me in 94 was how Gary Sinise wasn't explained really what was going on. And he was kind of like, well, I'm not doing it. It's like, you kind of have to. There's, yeah. We're trying to save the world. Like It's not up to you anymore. You know? Uh, yeah. Maybe that I'll call that the Dr. Fauci role. So he would have been the one to Ooh. try to get Stu out of there. Like, Dr. Fauci. <laughs> I, I do wonder, though, when you talked about whether they edit it differently, uh, there was a scene where um, it was like right after things started happening and Harold Lauder's riding his bike and they have a, a voiceover of the radio. It's like the governor's thinking about asking, or no, this is, I'm sorry, this is before everything started happening. And, and there's a voiceover on the radio and they say, well, I think the governor is going to start asking people to social distance and, you know, wear your mask. And I wonder if they were doing that back when they started filming it. That could have been a conscious, you know, edit. Yeah, there. I would think so. And I'm sure the word social distancing had been around prior to this pandemic, but it yeah. had certainly not been in our, our normal vocabulary of every day. No, it was, I, I rewatched Contagion because apparently I'm on a suicidal streak with these pandemic movies. And they do they do say social distancing in there quite a bit, which I never. I, I watched that rewatched that in February, January, or February. Yeah. Uh, and my sister was giving me crap about it at the time. She goes, "Why are you watching that?" I'm like, "I'm like, I'm preparing." And yeah. as you probably you said you recently saw it, a lot of that was exactly the what they predicted. Uh, oh, is exactly what happened. Yeah, I watched that and Outbreak a few times. And my wife said, uh, what are you, why are you watching these? And I said the same thing you do. I'm preparing myself. I'm getting educated. I'm ready. I still blame Gwyneth Paltrow for everything. Yeah, it's, she's, what is she doing? <laughs> Come on. And stop, stop killing pigs in, in the rainforest, please. Oh, I probably shouldn't have her goop uh, resource to, to have <laughs> make for something. Well, that's, uh, that's our take on The Stand. Uh, I'm excited to revisit this, Robert, and see like how this all plays out. I'm I'm excited because it's nine or ten episodes, um, and I'm I'm a, I kind of like the long ride, you know, because I'm like I like kind of that long investment. Yeah, I I like if they King they do best with King when they just take the best parts of it and kind of do their own thing. And I'm thinking back to Castle Rock, uh, which had a yes. couple seasons. Um, twist on you know not everything had to be exactly like it was in the novel but it was it was just took place in that king universe and yeah i think king himself at one point said that uh he, he talked about his novels uh people like the, the same flavor they kept going back for the same flavor Ooh. Of king. and i think that's kind of why i think that's why king has uh lasted so long that um uh, especially more of his early stuff it all kind of had the same flavor that people liked Yes, and he was faithful to it, and he knew what people wanted, and he delivered that. And King, because uh, I love Stephen King, he, he's having like a renaissance at this point. They're just buying all kinds of his stuff uh, up, even like short, I think we spoke about this, short stories in some of his books, like The, the, the Gaunt, the, the Jaunt, I mean. Uh, they're just buying them up to make them, and it's, it's pretty exciting um, to see like what's going to come out of all this. Yeah, keep going and going and going. And I don't know, if did we talk about Mr. Mercedes? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. So for listeners and for yourself, so it was on the AT&T network. Um, so it was not widely seen. And I think the audience network is what they called it. 
And so um, I was able to get some Blu-rays. They had three seasons, and but now it's on the Peacock Network. Uh, so I oh, think okay. Free. So it is uh, one of my favorite King. Actually, I never read the original novels, but it's one of my favorite King series. It's pretty good. I yeah, I love it. So. If you like it, yeah. then it's good because you have good taste. HBO did one season of The Outsider, uh, which has a shared character uh, between the, the two. Uh, oh, yeah, I saw that. Completely different. Uh, are different actresses and kind of a different take on it, but it, it is the same character that has a crossover. Is it kind of like in Castle Rock where they had um, different characters from King novels? Like, uh, I mean, Wilkes, Annie Wilkes was pretty much the same person, but... The the guy uh, slipped my name. The, the the bully in Stand by Me was in Castle Rock. Um, oh yeah, I forgot about that. But he was kind of like a different. He was older, but he was yeah. still like an asshole. We never like, got I, to see what he looked like when he when he grew up. Castle Rock. I was disappointed they canceled that. I I loved the first two seasons. I thought they were great. I'm Second one was better. It's something that to me that could always somebody else can maybe pick it up. Um, yeah, I think so. Do it kind of a different story, and it doesn't like. Kind of like Fargo, it doesn't need to be taking place the next day. We can right. move forward yeah. in time. It could be whatever we need. Like Rocky Four should have done, where they're <laughs> like, hey, we're coming back from Russia. Hey, we landed. Hey, my son aged five years. Um, <laughs> there, there's some other movie I thought of you because it had the same... T- oh, Coming to America. And okay. the last podcast, we talked about movies that just they make a sequel and they just call it the same title. <laughs> And so coming to America is now coming number two America. Oh, is it? Oh, no. Is is coming to America a movie that needed a sequel? Apparently. Well, I guess you could. You know, I I was in high school, I think, when that came out. So at the time, it was Eddie Murphy at his top, you know. Yeah. Clarity and it was number one for a while. And it was it had funny moments that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. um, But it's a funny flick. Decades later, are we asking for a, a sequel? No, but right. here we are with Halloween and the, the, the stand. And We're all asking for more Halloween, Robert. <laughs> By the way, speaking of the set chatter, the stand, um, you had images. That night, I was texting Robert about the stand, and he sent me the image uh, of the, the, one of the locations in the stand and Robert's set visit. And I thought, for a second, I was like, "How did, how did you get there that quickly?" And I just thought, "No, that's Google Maps." But I didn't really believe it because the quality was too good. And then you said you were already there. Yeah. Prior. So the magic of making sure you take a lot of pictures. So this was in Vancouver, or actually south of Vancouver, uh, Richmond, British Columbia. Okay. So I had shot that almost exactly uh, spot because that was the movie theater in Scary Movie. That's where right. She's all talking up in the theater. Uh, yeah, you were already there. Yeah. So, and right behind them, where they kind of shot, that was the police station where Sherry O'Terry is yelling at the camera person. Yeah. And that yeah. street they go down uh, with their motorcycles uh, at 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 the end. Um, so that's the same street at the end of Scary Movie, uh, where Doofy takes off his mustache and they go down the street and Anna Ferris is like, what are you waiting for? And I think she gets hit by a car or something, I think. But Doofy's that, the best. That's, that's the same intersection. Doofy, Doofy's the best. Yeah. <laughs> Who played Doofy again? It was... um, I can't remember his name. He's a good looking guy. 
Yeah. Oh, so you should take that off, but. Doofy. <laughs> but I that's told you not to bother me when I'm vacuuming. <laughs> Cleaning my room. <laughs> Cleaning my room. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, we are on Christmas Eve Eve, and what other better movie to talk about than the classic franchise, horror franchise, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Robert, is this about a killer Santa Claus or about a psycho thinking that they're Santa Claus? It's a little bit of both. So I was 14 <gasps> when this movie came out, and and for those people that would remember, it kind of had a... It came out, I think, uh, on one of the uh, same premiere date or as Nightmare on Elm Street. So uh, they both kind of had similar release dates. Really? I think Nightmare on Elm Street had a... That was kind of their... Uh, Coast premiere or something like that, and open. Oh, when they do New York and L.A. and then everywhere Um, two weeks later. But moms, because the 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 trailers for Silent Night Deadly Night uh, showed Santa getting ready and kind of plastic Santas and grabbing a bloody axe and and so for you know yeah five year olds that happened to be witnessing this they you know it was and I understand it was kind of traumatic. but um, so I think it was pulled out of theaters like after a week or two. But yeah, I read that on the page that they it was so controversial about a killer Santa. They were, they they pulled it. But I think it it helped the movie because yeah, <laughs> the movie is it's it's a decent enough flick. But it would have just gone into oblivion, I think, uh, without all this uh, hysteria surrounding it. It probably would have just been another happy birthday to me, New Year's Evil. I mean. Yeah, because by today's standards, um, it would be very tame. But uh, I mean, we would we wouldn't know. But it, what I mean is, by today's standards, like you said, if that was released, no qualms about it, that would be it. But all the, the infamy surrounding it really helped it out. Yeah. So it was, uh, and so that was shot in Utah. And so when I was yes, there, I've seen your page on that three years ago. Um, I was going to, uh, I was actually going to shoot some of the Silent Night, Deadly Night locations in Halloween 4, 5, 6, Footloose, The Stand, uh, was all shot in Utah. So I had a big, uh, a few days just to try to hit everything that I could. And, um, uh, but yeah, I happened to be talking to a Blu-ray producer right before I was leaving. I think I had a, my flight was delayed. So I was just sitting at home tooling around the computer. I said, hey, I'm going to be in Utah if you want me to grab some shots. And he's like, can you do videos? I'm like, I guess I can try. So um, so I kind of have a small video on the, the Blu-ray of all the different Silent Night, Deadly Night shots. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's amazing. I saw that in your IMDb I was mentioning before. Um, you're, you're credited with that. This is the extra, um, this is the bonus features on the DVD? Yeah, on the Blu-ray? Screen Factory, yep. Oh, that's so cool. Well, that's an ambitious trip, though. You're doing Silent Night, Deadly Night, Halloween's. The Stan, Footloose. This is all in one trip, or yeah, multiple? some some Dumb and Dumber was in there. Uh, wow. Well, did you just try? Did you just canvas Utah, or were these all pretty close? In uh, no, it was a little bit. I mean, a lot was shot in Salt Lake, but otherwise it was kind of all over Utah. And then I happened to meet uh, a friend, Kevin Wellard, who um, I think he had been. He contacted me through my website, and I think and I think on, on one of the Halloween message boards. He saw I was going to be in, in town. He says, hey, if you want to hang out while I'm there. So he actually went on some locations with me. And I couldn't oh, that's find cool. one of the houses. Oh, so in Silent Night, Deadly Night, Linnea quickly gets impaled on some antlers. And I could not find that house. 
and I was like looking all over the place and I was trying to contact people and they were like, I think it's here. And, and uh, my instinct was right because there's some carolers uh, kind of singing towards the camera and they, they kind of pan over to the house in the background. And my instinct said that there's no house in front of them. They're, they're faking that there's a house that they're singing to, that this is just an empty field or something like that. And uh, so I was, I was actually in another part of uh, Utah doing footloose locations with the, where they're playing chicken. Yeah, right. Cool. And uh, my friend's like, well, I'm going to drive around uh, this town in Utah and whatever. And he just happened upon it, uh, the the house. And so no way. That, that was kind of like, usually with all locations, there's one that kind of cinches it. Right. Uh, and, and like, well, it's not the same if you don't have this house. And so I was, I was glad he found that. But it, it was a good time. That's a great time. Yeah, I really enjoy your stills from... Uh... Your your photos from that that trip as well. Uh, I didn't realize it was one trip, but the stand ones you really get in there, and a lot of those places obviously look the same, but some have changed so much. But you can still see the the basic infrastructure that your eye was very uh, uncanny. It was good for fun. You know that, that first shot of the stand with the the crow on the light pole. That's what I'm thinking of. That's gone already. Yeah, I had a you found that was it out. though. I was out there, and he said that that whole th- that ha- everything is gone. That they tore it all down since up my visit. That was a so, feed mill or something, right? Um, no, it or was a gas it company. Was a water treatment something, I think. <laughs> a feed Actually, mill. Yeah, it was it's just an electric kind of company. I'm like it was a space station, right? <laughs> space force of. A... <laughs> <laughs> but I did see the pole, though. You got it. Yeah, it's the same pole, and that I get excited when it's like, oh, this is the same fence that was here. I would love to to work with you in some capacity on like finding sets. I've always had a not not the eye like yours, but as far as like resources for locations, looking at little things here and there that I just have would have access to to film something. And you could, you know, with the right money, you can doctor that up. Like I have a lot of respect for people like you in your field that do that, and, and you know, other people as well uh, to find sets and location scouts because. Uh, if you if you look at that scene, it it is you know like a water supply company or something or a water plant, and it, it doubles as a military base. The, um, the uh, actually the location manager for the stand ninety four just contacted me like two days ago. And, yeah, you mentioned that. Tell yeah. me, tell us about that. I don't, I think he met, he came across my website or or saw it, and I think somebody tagged Mick Garris, the director, and with my kind of links and stuff like that. So he contacted me, and I said. I think he still has all of his sheets, so I'm, I'm sure I'm missing stuff. And I do kind of get contact. I mean, I try to be as extensive as possible, uh, especially with the stand. I mean, there's hours and hours of, of, of footage. And I, I did not find every abandoned highway uh, necessarily. But uh, this Pretty guy close, is also the location manager for Wes Craven's New Nightmare. So I'm like, yes, because I'm yes. missing a couple of locations from there. Did he contact you because of the stand page? And then... I th- think so i just i just kind of got a, a, a random message um uh from him and uh something about the stand and and new nightmare because i think he saw a new nightmare on my page or something like that as well so oh yeah i said, I said oh well i'm gonna be hitting you up for lots of things now that <laughs> uh he's like you oh, have to take anything. advantage of he's that. like i still have all my stuff and i'm like and that's like golden you know finding the treasure chest to me if people have their um uh location sheets uh, you know, they have the daily sheets of like who's on set, addresses, and and where to park, and and everything. Though that's to me, yeah. that's my goal. Uh, that uh, I I always look forward to to find some of those locations that are impossible to find. 
Is there a one location out of all the things you've done that has eluded you more than most? I think you've spoken to this once, but I, I used to say that. the Bionic Woman Coach House. That was it. That was the one, and that has been found, but I can't say where it's at. <laughs> but you have found it. Somebody else found it, uh, just by random chance. Uh, Would you, are you ever going to film it, or you don't it's care? It's in a gated community, so I need to... Ah, uh, Black Ops. Got to get some yeah. infrared and got it. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're actually finagling. I'm like, how can we get in there without being totally illegal? But, um, but that's You should just, get a drone. That has a childhood meaning... Uh, to me so that would be yeah for me to see but um but yeah so that that's when i used to always say and then some that we've and we may have talked about before like the uh when a stranger calls back house took forever to find and it was demolished years ago and so it's just oh wait where was the when a stranger calls back house uh so that was uh, that was in vancouver the the sequel got it yeah okay cool but you usually get your your sets if you're looking for something you'll usually find it i i i just try to you know like if i really have it in my head i just do everything i can to to find it you're like a sleuth you know you put like the puzzle the pieces together to find out yeah i also wonder too uh you know when you go on some of these sets um some of these locations for these sets like you mentioned utah all these uh do you come across Play, have you ever came across a place that was in a film unintentionally while you were there? Like, oh, this was also so-and-so from Back to the Future. Has that ever uh, happened? At Vancouver, it does a lot because everything, I mean... Yeah, everything's filmed there. Yeah, and they have a lot of, you know, and if it hasn't been filmed... So, like, Supernatural just had wrapped up, what, 13 seasons? So, I'm sure they've shot every inch of Vancouver and the surrounding area at some point uh, uh in there but um but yeah if you can get two for ones or and we may have talked about this before so the american horror story house i had been to before for for buffy um yes where they had fences i was right on i went up to the front door and take pictures and everything now you can't get that close to it but um so that's kind of where you you luck out if uh, you kind of have these two for ones or three for ones yeah that's the two first i just made that up yeah. two first i just feel <laughs> like that should be like two first before that should be the thing. I feel like people should move to Vancouver now. Like they come and saturate all of LA. <laughs> like, I'm going to Vancouver, Ma. You're never gonna make it. It's my dream. Sweetie, there's no there's no companies there. It's just where they film cheaply. I'm going to Vancouver. I'm gonna make something myself. And then he becomes homeless, but it's Canadian homeless, so they're still yeah, kind of like yeah, cool. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's still okay. The uh, uh <laughs> Tron the, Legacy was shot in Vancouver. Oh yeah, Tron Legacy. You you uh, released that recently on your page. Yeah, so there's not too many actual locations because obviously it takes place mostly in computer world. Um, right. But there was a couple that I found, and same thing, the police station. Um, I went back to Google Maps to check, and it's gone already. So. Oh really? It's yeah. wiped down. Get your pictures while you can. Yep. Wow. You also released on your page Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is you got some really great shots. Was that San Francisco City Hall in the first one? Yep. So beautiful building. Every you know, View to a Kill, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, oh, Zodiac. that's the building at the end of Raiders. The steps inside is the uh, from Raiders of the Lost Ark where he, he just got talking done uh, done talking to the government and top uh, men. They, they cut to the the long crates and stuff. So yep, San Francisco City Hall. 
where he goes, can I buy you a drink? And he puts his arm out. That's, wow, I never knew that. Top men, Robert. Top men. I have a a Raiders page uh, as well. So I have a few that I was able to go to. So that in Oakland, California, they had an airport, airplane museum. They have the airplane uh, where Harrison Ford took the water plane. And yes, I saw your pictures of that. You did a great job. It's still there. It's still yeah. intact. It looks yeah, a little different. I, they got rid of some of the rivets and stuff. I, they, and they, apparently, they only open that up once a week. Um, it's kind of a strange museum. Oh, and I went it. on a day that it wasn't open, and I was just like, like, no, that's only on Wednesdays or something. I was like, well, I fly out, you know, tomorrow. So, and I think I just said, how much can I give you? Donate to? Uh... <laughs> yeah, come on, let the guy see the plane. Yeah. And he's like. And he was nice enough. He's like, oh, all right. He's like, as long as you throw something into the donation jar, you know, because it's a nonprofit type of museum. So. Yeah, that's uh, nice. Yeah, so he he helped nice you out. To, to let me up into the plane. And, uh, that's a the, cool The outside shot. was used as well with a kind of a map painting. And then, of course, in Hawaii, I was at the spot right. where uh, he, uh, the plane takes off from the river and uh, Indiana swings into the river. That was in Kauai or was that Honolulu? That was Kauai, Oahu. I think, yeah. It was Hawaii. The uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, I remember looking at your page, the entries for that. You did a really good job. To well, me, the Raiders of the Lost Ark is a perfect film. The effects are all real. Yeah. It has all of the elements. It's like a perfect movie. The Paramount Mountain is in Kauai as well. The opening shot. Yes. That. Oh, that's Kauai? Yep. So wow. you just kind of... I, just, I didn't know exactly where they shot, but you just can literally pull up the street and... It's right there. So. When did you? When were you in Kauai? I think it was twenty eighteen. I think. Do you remember which month? Yeah, you know, it was uh, Aprilish, maybe. Oh, okay. right. I remember because our fundraiser lunch had changed, and I was in Hawaii the week before, and then I just showed up. Uh, like, good luck, everybody. I'll be. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be in Hawaii. Hope you're all ready for the luncheon that I have to speak at. So. Good luck, everybody. <laughs> good luck, everybody. I, I got I was at my honeymoon and I got married in, in Kauai uh, ah. in 2018 and I, I'm hoping that I could well, I got married on Oahu and then took the honeymoon in Kauai and I'm I'm hoping I could look at pictures from the catamarans and stuff and somehow I would see you in the back like like, like right yeah like one of those like government pictures where like this man was seen in every picture for a hundred years to see if Robert you're actually everywhere all the time I could I'm always kind of in photos and yeah you're always kind of in the back. I do think that's funny, though. All right. Good luck for the luncheon, everybody. I'm off to Hawaii. See you later. Later. But Yeah, so so Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, what happened is the, the yes. next year Screen Factory was doing another Blu-ray. And uh, and they said, hey, do you want to do videos for that? And I actually had... I There's five Silent De- Deadly Nights or kind of in the original kind of film series. Ooh, so I ended up there. looking for all the locations because I'm a completist. So you Silent are. Night, Daily Night Part 2, about 50% of it is actually flashbacks to Part 1. So it's... <laughs> That's funny though, right? Yeah, it's, I think originally the producers just wanted to cash in. They actually just wanted, I think, to re-edit the film and make it a Part 2 and not film anything new. But they said, oh, maybe we'll film a couple bridge scenes. And the director actually added a lot more um, into it. And so that was actually shot in California. And it shares a couple... Uh, parallels with Halloween. So, what, what do you mean? Uh, the cemetery uh, in the film is the same cemetery as Halloween, where oh. Judith Meyer's tombstone is stolen. Oh, really? Yep. 
The garbage day scene is about two blocks from the cemetery. Uh, in I Syria. love the garbage day scene. <laughs> that, but that's uh, so, that's in Pasadena. Uh, Sierra Madre, California. Okay. Um, they the street that they go down. Uh, they have a couple shots with nuns walking. So that was the same street used in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the original Halloween Two, Halloween Three. The Fog Church is right up the street. Oh, cool. Um, so Return of the Living. Uh, Return of the Living Dead Part Two. So all Sierra Madre has been used in quite a bit. Great so life. a lot of them was kind of shot around uh, that area, and then right before I was actually going out to to L.A. with my my sister and my parents for a previously planned trip, and this kind of came out literally kind of last minute, just a, a week or two before. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll be out there. I can shoot video. And then I just I was asking Justin Beam was the producer of the the Blu-ray, and I said. Is, is Eric Freeman out in L.A.? And so Eric, he plays the lead character uh, in Silent Night Part 2. And he's like, yeah. He's like, are you thinking about having you join him? I'm like, well, it could be kind of fun because my first video, yeah. I wasn't in it. It was just me shooting the same scene and then I fade to the actual scene. And then the next, you know. And so well, it might be kind of fun to have him, you know, on the you know, set. And so... Um, um, of course. Seeing the video, it starts out with just me saying, oh, Sierra Madre City Hall. And then I go to the next scene. Um, I kind of bump into Eric Freeman. And uh, so he joined me on about four or five of the different shots. And, uh, and of course, the, the most iconic garbage day scene, um, you know, we drove down to that street. And he had not been on that street since they filmed. And so he's like... Oh, cool. Some, it was know, a blast back. from the past. Yeah. That's uh, so cool you got to do that with him there, though, and have him on set. What, what did you do? You reenacted the actual shots, and then he was kind of in the frame? But we just kind of, um, I actually, I borrowed some lavalier mics, and I think I, I think I only had one. I think he was mic'd up, and I wasn't. And my dad shot it, so um, my dad nice. was excited. He got an IMDb credit. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's awesome. You got your dad involved. Damn person. Um, yeah, because I wouldn't obviously be able to do it myself. And so, yeah, and we just talked walking down the street, and you get all those special things that, you know, it's like, Oh, I remember, you know, things they remember that I would never know. Um, and that he was, he was able to share and they actually only That's shot so like cool. six days or something. It was like ridiculously small uh, amount of filming time. And so he said, Oh, it was just that's quick. Together. When, but, when they shot the, when, when did silent night two? when was that? When did that come out? 87? 87? I think 87. And that was what it went and silent. Was eighty four because the first one because it was Nightmare on Elm Street, yep. so uh, same time. So that was probably the sequel. I'm asking, I don't know. Yeah. Based on the hype of the first one, that it became such a cult film because of the notoriety around it. They're like, "Yo, just keep bumping them out." Yeah. Oh yeah, because people will rent the V8, go to Blockbuster. You know, they'll, they'll yeah, whatever, whatever's there. They recognize the title just like they do now. So it really, you know, gives into the old adage of uh, if. Any publicity is good publicity because the fact that it was so, you know, negative, negatively received by whatever the the media, that that it born it's a classic. It's like movies yeah. that are really really bad. I'm not saying that movie's really bad. I'm just saying they're like Dune or something. These terrible movies that they're like it's so bad. It's great. Like Cutthroat Island. Let's watch it. It has to be entertaining, and I think and I think that's where Silent Night Deadly Night Two shines and. It's it entertainment value of you're just having a good time with it. And very controversial, if you think about it. To, to spoof, they did Halloween. Um, they did, uh, you know, 
they did other holidays, but to do Christmas, you're like, you can't touch that. It's Santa Claus. For them so, to do that was pretty bold in 1984. Yeah. I mean, so gay I, people in portrayed in film wasn't even wasn't universal. It was still very offensive oh, at yeah. that time. That we weren't we were not where we are even in the 90s in 1984. There were still it was the years of Reagan, is all I'll say. There were still <laughs> there were still a lot of places where America needed to grow. So to to tackle something like a killer Santa Claus during Christmas in 1984 is a, was a bold move for them yeah. to do. So I remember that shaker sweater that he was wearing. I mean, and I used to Love wear that those sweater. in high school. And he said he just remembered that it was so itchy. And I think it was hot. I was California. So he's like, yeah. he's like all sweatered up. And he really, he's a, he, he's a guy that really works out. And he, I think he said he was really he's a trying to find guy. a way to take off his sweater. So it was just a shirt. So it could show off his, his muscles. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, he, he was a good guy. And uh, just super nice. And just lucky to, he, he made that video. So I'll, I'll, if you haven't seen it, I'll send you a link. Please I, send me the link. How, how was hanging out with him on set? Was he uh, kind of loosey-goosey, cool to like, answer questions and yeah, talk and about it? Yeah, and I'd never it? met him before, so it was a little bit... I think we had talked on the phone, and, and I kind of explained. He's like, what are you going to be doing? And I'm like, well, I just think we're just going to go hang out on location. And and just kind of... And, and so I kind of thought it was cool. And, um, and so, like... And I'm sure it was kind of weird. I'm like, I'll be there with my parents and my sister and... <laughs> Um, my dad will be shooting the video, and so it's, it's not, a family affair. Yeah, it's not this professional gig, um, but yeah, he was super nice, and uh, yeah, so I, I really enjoyed meeting him and and having him. Pretty cool. When, so, when... But, yeah, I did the re- I did so there's Silent Night three, four, and five, uh, which I did all the locations for. A little bit more torturous uh, to get through, but because of the where they were, or just. To watch the, the film, uh, some of them seemed like they. Uh, there are other scripts that they just tacked the title on, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, like, oh, they did the yeah, old Nintendo thing. Just take a game yeah, and throw it out it there. Part three, and then they try to have some of the same characters, and it's like, all right, and so um, uh, <laughs> like there's some more or less the same character names here and there, and part five had uh, Mickey Rooney. As one of the actors, main actors in the film. How did they get and, him? Well, it's funny because he was the one that was uh, picketing or uh, vocally against the first Silent Night, Deadly Night, and saying really? this should not even be released. And here he is in Silent Night Part Five. Wow! How did they, I wonder how they got that guy? I, don't, I mean, he was in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. <laughs> like how? Did, it makes how you, you wonder. I'm like, I don't think. He might not have signed up for Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 5. He might have signed up for The Toy Maker. And- right, yeah. He signed up for some pitch yeah. about bringing Christmas home and there's a bad guy and they're going to save the day. And then he signed uh, that waiver and there it is. That's hilarious. Have you, You've seen all of the films then. Um, yeah, so I saw that. They had the Silent Night, Deadly Night remake. Um, which when did is, that come out? Um, it was kind of that... It was during that kind of My Bloody Valentine remake era, where we 2011, 2009-ish, I think. Yeah. Um, so it was Jennifer's kind of the, it, body. It the same exact thing, but it just kind of took place at Christmas, and so it's a little bit different. It, it's okay. I think they made another one for some reason. I can't remember, but I'd be curious to see how those hold up. I do want to watch the. I've never seen the films. You need to watch. They weren't on Turner Classic Movies when I was going through <laughs> Christmas films, and I was looking for it. 
I did. I, you know, what? I did see twenty four hours of Silent Night, Deadly Night on Christmas. I went. I'm waiting for that. I think I did see that. You know, like everything, there's so much coming at us with channel availability. But I think I did see Silent Night somewhere. So I'm gonna have to look for that. You need to take a look just for yes. Is that the homework assignment? Yeah, I think yeah, for sure. Okay. And I'm trying to think if Silent Night, Deadly Night shares any locations with Halloween or anything else. But I'd be curious about that. Because uh, to kill two birds with one stone, to put not too fine a point on it, you uh, that seems like a win-win for somebody that does what you do to get there and be like, I'm knocking out, like you did with The Stand, inadvertently. Yes. Are you going to watch The Stand, and if you see some other locations, post them again like you did the other night? Because I thought that was really cool that you yeah, found that. I, I was really I thought I was really proud of myself that I didn't stop at every ten minutes. I'm like, where is uh salty stand by the beach? Uh <laughs> Yeah, but you need to, because that would be so cool if you did that and it gave the illusion like Robert got it in three days. He flew up to Vancouver and is back. And I almost I almost stopped it because uh when Harold is being chased and he flips over on his bike um, so that looks like the same area from Tron Legacy, where um, uh, the, his childhood home is. Remember, they they do a kind of pan in, and they have all these kind of beachfront. Oh yeah, homes. it looks the same to me. So I'm I'm like, oh, I betcha that's the same spot, but I haven't looked yet. That was filmed in south of Vancouver. Yeah, that was in I can't remember what town that was, but kind of the the next island. It, over. It's weird. It looks it looks more like Santa Monica than it does Maine. For some reason, I don't know why. They they can never get Maine quite. Yeah, they can't. I don't know what it is. But when you want, when you see the people outside, that looks like something you'd see in Santa Monica near like yeah. the Third Street Promenade. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, that you can tell those houses are made for kind of year-round living. Not, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, five Our below zero uh, winters in Maine. <laughs> five below zero winters, right? It's it's funny though, but yeah, when you um when you put that together though, I was really impressed because that was a really good shot. You almost had it shot frame for frame, shot for shot. Oh, yeah, they almost picked the exact same spot. And I was looking through others. I'm like, oh, do I have all the reverse shots? And I didn't. But really cool. When you were up there, was that recently? Because it it, it looks like it hasn't changed as much. No, I think that was five years ago. Maybe. Okay. What is your definition of recently? Because if someone's like, have you been to London recently? I'll be like, oh, yeah, I was there in like 2008. And like, that was 12 years ago. I'll be like, I'm still young. It was the other week. Yeah, recently, I mean within the past 18 months is my kind of recent. That's your cutoff. Okay. That makes sense. I have to change that because I haven't traveled in almost two years. (laughs) Are you getting itchy from not traveling? Like, is is all work and no play making Robert a dull boy? How does this work? A little bit. I've been busy with this house stuff. So uh, that's Good. at least kind of keeping me occupied. Um, but yeah, once everything, once we're all in the clear, I think I'll be traveling quite a bit. And, uh, and you know, I do see people kind of, I'm not a good road tripper. And I see a lot of some of my peers, set jitters, uh, doing kind of road trips uh, around different places. But um, I'm not one to, now granted, I'll be in a car 12 hours a day driving around LA. Sure. But I'm not one to drive down to, Oklahoma to <laughs> no way to twister locations. I'm so with you. If it's more than a three hour car trip, I will fly. I won't do it. I just won't do it. It's just and too that, much. I just don't like. And like you said, I'll drive around LA all day. Not a problem. Yeah. 
so he just contacted me about Wyoming locations, and I'm like, well, Wyoming's on my list because I want to see Devil's Tower, and yeah. for you know, beautiful encounters. And I'm like, but I'm not willing to yeah. do the drive. Uh, Quite, quite what is yet. the drive from from Nebraska from where you are in Nebraska to Wyoming? Too, is that too like long, too long? And, at least eight uh, hours. Oh, oh yeah, well, well over. Yeah, oh, that's uh, way too long. On the east side of the state. Um, yeah, but the, he was asking him like, well, the only Midwest location I've really done besides Omaha is Children of the Corn, and he's like, what about Field of Dreams? Like, no, they're too far. Like, <laughs> too far. No, no, no. Uh, Children of the Corn was filmed in Indiana, Iowa. Iowa. What was the drive? I know I made that mistake before. What was that drive time for you? Um, I think total between you know the farthest town away was probably two hours. Reasonable. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of yeah. And I, I we've talked about that I think before. And I went with my mentee once as well, since he's a horror movie fan to kind of go to these locations. And then, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, What's your so, policy when you drive and you're with? Let's just say a friend, not a mentee, just a friend. Are you a talker, or is it music and silence, or is it music and talking? Kind of depends on the person. So, and I'll call it my friend James here. He used to live in L.A., and so he used to love to be the passenger, and he would put up with hours and hours of <laughs> me driving all the over the space, over the place. Um, and we always always found he was somebody you never we never stopped kind of finding little things to talk about, except at the very end because. Eventually, at the end of the day, we'd end up somewhere, and then also you just have the long haul home. Like we'd be like, "Well, it's sunset in Long Beach, and we need to go all the way back to Burbank." So there's nothing but just drive. Yeah. So then we'd put on different Judy Garland interviews or something just to occupy our <laughs> our space. We ran out of things to talk about. But. I thought you were gonna say we put on different movies as if you're yeah. driving and watching, and I'm like, no, no, I don't, I don't know if you want to do that. No, no. Something funny to distract, you know. Like I do like, that is a good system. I'm with you 100%. I do the same thing. Drive with a friend, a good friend that you're talking to, three hours, no problem. The drive home, though, it's kind of like, it's an accepted silence that both parties yeah. agree on. And I do like the Judy Garland interviews. She's fascinating. If you listen to some of those or even YouTube them, yes. she partied. Yeah, oh yeah. And just rascally and... Rascally. Yeah, and I just like, and... And I had Take, a, obviously I was a Wizard of Oz fan, like a, probably all kids. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, so obviously I had passed away uh, uh, long before I kind of knew who she was. But I remember hearing that she died or whatever. And then for years, I still thought she was like in her 60s when she died. Or, you know, like, and she looked, she looked like she was in her 60s. Yeah. She wasn't. She was, what, was she 40? Or She was young. Yeah. But, and she passed away way too young and too many you know, drugs and alcohol and everything, very sad. But she was taken advantage of so much in early age. Like, I, I don't see how you couldn't be a wreck. No. I mean, you'd have to be drinking and on drugs all the time just to deal with all the horrible things that happened to you. Yeah. And it's still happening. I mean... Oh, yeah. Still happening. Um, she's great, though. I love. Did you see Judy? I did. Uh, <laughs> it, th- those movies are hard for me to, like, how... It brings like down the icon. Yeah. And like a, just, the image, it humanizes them in a way you don't want to accept yeah. for me. My, my issue is it's hard to stop critiquing uh, the look or like the way she's acting or whatever. It's hard for me to get into that. Her, that uh, Judy is the character because uh, I'm always kind of like, because like, you're like, oh, she really looks like her right here. Oh, that doesn't look like her. That, you know, and so I'm like, I need to get past that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Sometimes it's better if they really don't look like them at all. And you could just look them as a, as a third-party character. It was, I, I can get that with Renee Zellweger. Some parts you're like, ah, it looks just like her. Other parts yeah. you're thinking, ah, she would never say something like that. <laughs> what, are, what are you doing? Uh, Judy Davis played her once, and I thought she did a good job um, in some TV movie, I think it was, at the time. Judy Davis. Okay. She is great, though. Judy Garland. Have you ever seen yeah. uh, Meet Me in St. Louis? Yes. Good flick. The Red Hair. Wizard of Oz. Are you still a big fan of that film? Uh, I would say yeah. I mean, I haven't actually seen it in a long time, but I was. I had the big playset and the dolls that kind of came with it. And yeah. I think I still have the um, the globe. Um, it's the like globe. a mini globe that came with it, and it was one of those flippy oh. things. So on one side it showed uh, her, and then the other side it showed. Uh, uh, Auntie M and her uncle and Toto, and if you flip it really fast, it looked like they were together in the same spot. I think I've seen that somewhere. That's really cool. You own that? Yeah, I still have that from one of my childhood leftovers. <laughs> oh my gosh! The re- the reason I asked, I was I was talking to somebody the other day about Wizard of Oz, and it, I have actually haven't have not actually watched that movie. What? It's such a long time, but it's it's you know it's one of those movies you've seen a thousand times, you'll always love, and I, I wonder. Like I, I should probably rewatch it. I wondered like what my impression would be, you know, yeah. later on. I think I think you would like. I mean, for a nineteen thirty nine film, it's uh, what yeah. we were, when we were talking about Darby O'Gill. Uh, like some of the effects yeah. are still good, and the story still, good. still works. And I think those stories are are kind of timeless because they Frank L. Baum. It, yeah, it's not shot in the time period it was supposed to, you know, be in. You know, so. And, yeah. and I think that's why I like movies like I think about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The remake worked for me because it, it's not a 2003 time period it takes place in. They kind of went back to the 70s for it to take place in. And I think that that yes. makes it a little bit more timeless for me, even though I don't know if kids really look like that in the 70s. But <laughs> No, I know I like the highlights and some of the hair. The but Jessica I do agree Beals. with you. I, what's that? The Jessica Beals. Like, I'm like, yeah, no. Boys. She was not walking around looking like that in the 70s. But I do agree with you. I do like when they do, you know, whether it's a remake, original, whatever, uh, period piece later on, and, but they keep it faithful to the time that it was originally shot in, and, and it works. You know, like they did that with King Kong. They didn't, the one with Jack Black that um, the six Peter hour Jackson did. King Kong. They, what's that? The six hour long King Kong. Yeah, yeah, the three day long. Um, I mean, it's it's the films, whatever. But I, I like that they they didn't make it a two thousand two or three or whatever it was. I think it was two thousand five. Um, piece with the planes and all that. They kept it in the thirties, and I I just think it looks better that way. Yeah, and, and it's it become that, a product. If you're gonna if you're gonna keep sacred that story, it can only kind of work in that time period usually. Right. Yeah, he was killed by the biplanes. An F-15 would light him up in two seconds. He is an animal. Like, that's it. It's crazy. Um, it would have been but, a much shorter movie, which I would have appreciated. What are your thoughts on King Kong? I've never met anyone that actually likes those movies. Uh, Not that well, they I, hate them, but I've never met anyone yeah. that's like, I love King Kong. I'm, I'm a fan of the 1976 King Kong. Oh, with uh, Jessica Lange? Jessica Lange, Jeff Bridges. Great Charles Grodin overacting on the Hawaii beach. Yeah. So good. I love that movie. It's so good. And my favorite scene in the 76 one is they built this mon- monstrous 
you know, animated, not animated, animatronic Kong, and they used it for three seconds of film. And it's so fake looking. It's great. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. It does this. <laughs> and his eyes are glazed ahead. Yes. It's, it's amazing. Uh, I and so yeah, so I have and I read it many times the the making of King Kong book, and so oh really? I, I, I obviously was really invested in behind the scenes of of how they they did all that, and so and it, obviously it's been decades since I read the book, but I still remember pieces of them filming that scene in Battery Park, and uh, and I remember I think they were there during maybe it was that the that or making of Superman uh, they were there during the the blackout in the seventies in New York where oh, they yeah. the entire city uh, blacked out. That it was, was kind of scary. You'll believe a man can fly. Yes. That's still my favorite poster. Yeah. yeah. You posted the Superman. I, that's still like my favorite poster of any superhero movie. It's so simplistic and exciting in the seventies. You're like, it's Superman. <laughs> you got it some great shots in that though. It wasn't floating heads of people. Uh, <laughs> 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 To believe a man can fly. I don't Do you... know when that started. I think that was around Scream. I think it was the not Scream the original poster, but Scream the video poster. What's started, that? Uh, started the multiple cast headshots, <laughs> uh, not even headshots. Just uh, obviously, they're not even in character. They're just like the beauty shots of Drew Barrymore and right. whatever, and they're all standing. They're the airbrushed, movie. and the the characters next to each other in the shots didn't even interact in the movie. They're just yeah. there. And they're all making the same face. Gravitated. And Halloween H2O poster was, I mean, they did the same thing of, of floating heads. Yeah. And, and it annoyed me because I'm like, this is uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. It was Jamie Lee Curtis hair, not Carrie Tate hair. You know, they couldn't even. Right, right. And, and that, that was the thing. It was either the floating heads next to each other or the one actor's entire mug that was carrying the film. Like, yeah. Tom Cruise is cast away. You know, and they don't really do that anymore. They they tried to do it with Ad Astra, Brad Pitt, and that, that didn't work because it's, it's tough now for one face to carry the whole film. They, it just doesn't work. It's all ensemble, smaller pieces, or something bigger. What I did like from the 70s posters is they would have kind of the poster, and then the bottom would be kind of the yearbook shots of all the cast. Yes, I do like that. And it would just light them up, names and everything. Yeah, like, this Airport is 79, and they would have, you know. <laughs> I do like that. That is cool. That is a cool thing to do it. Somebody a cool way to do it. They should bring that back. And I do like the actual illustrations of a poster, like the graphic design of like a painting or something like that that they use. Like Jaws. Yeah, of, yeah it's a mystery or like, you know, what's this about? Um, but Yeah. I do like floating heads, though, especially in Scream and Halloween H2O. And usually it's uh, tinted orange to blue across the, you know. You'd have to. Um, they did that too with uh, was it Crash? No, Crash. They did like the one scene of Matt Dillon and and Dandy Newton, but they kind of did like a bluish tint. It's in the. It's very yeah. dramatic. They made it look actually. You could put you know speed three, and it would look, it'd work for that that type of poster. It looks the same. Yeah, uh, yeah. Would, you'd buy it. But yeah, the floating heads. We need to get back to floating heads. Was Scream the first one that did that? I, I you know, I remember that on video. That was the first, not quite floating heads. Final was, Destination was there too. Yeah, so that was two thousand. Okay. So, um, yeah, that was kind of like they're in, usually in a V formation of uh, <laughs> this way or forward V of of <laughs> right of the cast, 
and usually and they're just kind of like hanging out looking you know yeah kind of looking like <laughs> very tough um but for some reason, i really i vividly remember the scream laser disc that i had at the time and those posters um had that now scream the original posters i love you know drew barrymore oh um, yeah super close up would have got um, you like a fish and scream 2 kind of had the half nev half uh uh courtney cox and was that actually, an odd to something i could never figure that out or was I that just an original i think conception? that was just their way of kind of doing a two it's like the same poster but different i actually have i think it's the german poster for scream 2 which is Jada Ooh, I in the same pose as drew barrymore and she's on a phone now so oh does not happen in the movie but no hey whatever it take whatever the germans got to do to sell you on their bullshit yeah but <laughs> here's something that never happens in the movie here's <laughs> i do like when they take one actor that uh i see this a lot you know in previews uh descriptions of a film on like netflix or hulu or whatever it's one actor that was famous is famous now but they'll they'll be like 2002 you know uh Chris Hemsworth, you know, this guy from was in this short black and white film for two seconds. And you're like, okay, I'm sold. Yeah. And you could usually tell, you're like, well, I've never heard of this movie before. I'm like, is that, he looks 16 there. And <laughs> like, check Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the one with uh, Matthew uh, McConaughey and Renee Zellweger. Generation. <laughs> That's a tough one. That's a they tough film regardless. They were technically both the leads, and I think they finally have both acknowledged it uh, they should. as a part of their film uh, history. Uh, I think for a while they just kind of said that didn't exist, and there was rumors that, I'm not sure if it was true, that they both were uh, trying to get courts to just never have that film seen the light of day. <laughs> <laughs> I own that should, movie on DVD. Yeah, my mom got me that. She's like, oh, you probably would like this. You know, it's got Matthew McConaughey, Renee Zellweger, Texas Chainsaw, because, you know, like horror movies and stuff. Yeah. Like when it came out on DVD or something, and I was like, yeah. Watched it with a buddy, and we're like, this is so bad. This is awful. This is before the internet. Like, you couldn't really like research it. I'm like, this is, yeah. this is a terrible movie. It's a collector's item. It's great. Oh, the, that house, they actually let me, not, not inside, but... Uh, it's kind of gated, and um, when I was down in Texas, I went to that house, and Ooh. and I do my knock on the door. I'm like, can I take some pictures? And they're like, yeah. And I, I did ask, can I take it inside? And they said, no, it's kind of a mess or whatever. I'm like, all right. You know, I didn't, I didn't love the movie that much, uh, but they're nice enough to let me take pictures all around uh, the outside of the house. Oh, that's cool. This is on the website? Yeah. What yeah. were you there for, for that or something else? I think I was doing a lot of Texas Chainsaw. Uh, movies. Um, I remember kind of up the street, meaning there's a whole lot of cornfield or fields around, uh, is, and across the street is the best little whorehouse in Texas house. Oh, yeah. Your shots are great. That's a great flick, by yeah, the way. Your, your shots of that are great. Half a mile away. Um, yeah, I couldn't get, that's as close as I could get to that property. And they did a lot of the close-ups at, uh, they kind of rebuilt part of the house at Universal, of course. But, that was I Will Always Love You. Is that where that song yep, first yep, was in? Yep. Dolly Parton's signature song. Dolly was just on tonight. I saw her doing some Christmas songs. Yeah, she's active now. I've been yeah, seeing yeah. it in my feed. She's doing all kinds of stuff. I wish um, nine, so nine to five. five celebrated its 40th anniversary this month, and that's nine to five, one of my favorites. And uh, that is I was a great to go to Nine to five, the musical uh, in London with my family, and that's when um, 
I got VIP tickets, and, and I was most excited because I, I, these VIP tickets included a VIP room, so you have your own bathrooms, and wow. you, don't, you don't have to mingle with the common folk. <laughs> yeah, the peasants, the peasantry. Yeah. Uh, Please, well, sir, know. can I have a spot of shiver petting? <laughs> Fuck Especially off. for women, the bathrooms, and the, you know, like, there's lines around the theater, you know, during intermission and stuff like that. So where where uh, in London that, was it? Was this on theater? I didn't row? get to go because uh, I got emergency gallbladder surgery two days be- before we were supposed to leave, or three days, and so oh, no. um, so I still had my family go because otherwise I didn't want to ruin the trip for everybody. That's and nice. Just me watching, you know, they could just be watching me uh, sit Recover. around and recuperate. I'm sorry that happened to you. That's awful, and and I'm sorry to get to go. Well, yeah. Well, I, I'm glad I didn't. I didn't have to have emergency gallbladder surgery uh, when I was no. abroad. Or no, <laughs> yeah, that before. look good way to look at it. You don't want to. You don't want to be out of commission. But yeah. So, but I, I really wanted to see it, and I think my I think it was my friend James that uh, he saw when they were doing kind of the. I can't remember what you call it. Kind of when they're working out of the play and kind of doing tests, you know, in audience and stuff. And I think they were in L.A. And so when there was problems with the set, and you kind of knew this going in, that this wasn't, you're not going to see the actual finished or whatever. There could be hiccups and, and pauses and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, it went too long while they're trying to fix the set. Dolly would come out and just sing to the audience to entertain them. And I'm like, yes, hey for that. <laughs> when they do that, too, like Eminem did that during uh, 8 Mile. He'd like come out to the extras and rap. Yeah. And uh, Mel Gibson did like the Braveheart speech during the patriot filming for the extras like that that's what you want to hear you know yeah that's what i was just say celebrities that's what they should do they 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 know yeah how to well, keep people entertained where um where in la was that where they were testing it out i don't know it's one of the, one of the theaters so i just i heard about that and i thought oh and it, and one it just sounds like dolly you know that's exactly what what she would do she's great how old is dolly parton I don't know. She's got to be in her 70s, right? Yeah. Most of her she, pieces are, are new, but uh, yeah. <laughs> most of her face is pretty new. Yeah, most of her face is, 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 is pretty new, but, uh, but yeah. Apparently and I know they, they talk about sequel, 9 to 5 sequel off and on. I don't know if they would ever be able to do that, but. Yeah. That's one of your favorite films? It, it I mean, I was 10 year olds when it came out, and. I look back now, and any of the sexual stuff probably just kind of went over my head. Um, sure, but it's comedy gold. I mean, it is. That is a Lily, great flick. Lily Tomlin can do no wrong. Uh, no, she's book. great. Uh, Jane Fonda, who I, I kind of—I can't remember what I knew her from, but um, I don't think she had done too many really comedies like this. Yeah, time. but that's one of those great comedy films. Yeah, you know, like it's a timepiece that you watch yeah, it. Cool, like, it's timeless. And that's why, like, you kind of don't want them to touch it because I'm like, it's it's fine the way it is. Yeah, but respect they'll, it. They'll make, they'll make a sequel, and it'll be called Nine to Five. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's brilliant. It'll be Nine to five. five. It's perfect. Coming to America. Born, <laughs> licensed to drive. Let's do that. Maybe, yeah, they could bring a computer-generated Corey Heim or something like that. Yes, that's what they need to do. I'm sure if Corey Feldman had his way, he would make a license to drive, uh, for sure. I think if Corey Feldman had his way, he would do a sequel of all of his films, just for that quick cash, for all his weirdness. Still waiting for Goonies, too. Goonies is a film you shouldn't touch. 
I feel like people know that. It's like The Godfather or, you know, it's like one of those films you just leave it alone. Because it's isolated. It's an yeah. isolated thing. When I say The Godfather, I don't mean sequels. I mean like a, like a remake altogether. Yeah. You can always do a sequel. But... Watch out. That's probably right for a remake too. The Godfather new miniseries. The thing with The Godfather is it's not even that great of a... It's a, it's a good story, but it's the acting and the characters that made it so well-received. A movie about the mafia and some guy getting whacked is nothing new. It was yeah. Al Pacino and Marlon Brando. So, I don't know. That's my opinion. Just don't touch Corky Romano, all right? That was a class... Or Night at the Roxbury. Do they all those late of those two? I can't remember. What's that? Did they make sequels to those two? They, they may have. I hope not. They were bad. There, there was kind of a, a Saturday Night Live factory of skits turned into movies that probably should not even have been skits to begin with. Yeah, Superstar. It's with Molly Shannon. Yeah, they just kept throwing them out there. If you had a skit on SNL, they're like, yeah, give it a movie. I think blame Wayne's World because I think Wayne's World worked. Yeah, they are like, yes, we can. This is a cash cow, and it, they probably did make enough money to definitely. They it started with Wayne's World. And then they're like, well, let's do Coneheads. That's an old one. We'll bring up, we'll get the older people out to see it. Because remember, Wayne Trouble was like more of a yeah. teenage movie? Yeah. So then they did Coneheads, and that flopped. And they're like, we'll just do Wayne's World too, but we'll bring in like some older people, older bands, and we'll get them out. And then it just kind of went downhill from there. Coneheads, that was terrible. I don't, I don't know if I even saw that. I don't think I did. I never saw it. I just know it's terrible. You just know it's terrible. Yeah, I just, I mean, come on. There is something out there where we know when the public knows when to avoid movies. Without yeah, them. yeah, yeah, they're like just don't touch it. Yeah, anything that's post two thousand that still like has Steven Seagal in it, don't touch it because <laughs> they're all called the same thing. They're all called like you know, out with a vengeance or a deadly reimbursement or you know. Justice of the Night. They're all these like serious like eighties video games titles. You know? It's and they all have the, the picture of Seagal, like with the face. Yeah. He and doesn't know if he's trying what, to be Japanese or not. That's his problem. Yeah. It's kinda and you can't tell what the movie's about because it's just his face. <laughs> kind of like Steve? the Death Wish movies. You know, it's just Charles Bronson with a gun. I'm like, well, I wonder yeah, what's well, gonna happen in this one. Let's do it. What are we gonna do? How is Steven Seagal not like in jail or anything yet? Didn't he like do a lot of bad stuff? Oh, he's probably on the pardon list. I don't know if if he has not been in jail. But <laughs> the part. Oh yeah, he got pardoned this week. I'm sure. Um, I don't. I don't think he's even in this country actually. Yeah, probably good for him, right? I think yeah. I think he's somewhere doing else. somewhere. Uh, we mentioned. I just want to jump back. You mentioned Silent Night, Deadly Night earlier. Um, I asked you when we talked about Hellraiser, how the sequel of Hellraiser ranks on the uh, you know your list of. You know, horror franchise sequels that are they up there? Is this one of the better ones? You said yes. How do you rank Silent Night 2 in the whole sphere of 80s horror movie sequels? It's a rewatchable one that, so when, I, <laughs> when it first came out, I was like, this is stupid and ridiculous. And it's okay. half of it's flashback and the acting's not so good. And what, what a waste of my $3 rental from Blockbuster. Uh, <laughs> But unlike the others, I can rewatch it and have fun with it. And if you're going to pick any movie of, of, of that series to, to say, hey, everybody, let's put this on uh, for some fun, that's the one you would. Oh, okay. 
good to know. I I like when you when you you know recommend sequels or you endorse them because sequels are a very slippery slope for me. They can either be really good, yeah, or you know you want to stay away. It's it's a, it's a yeah. shameless cash grab. So I like when you kind of give it the okay. Yeah, I, and I'm a sequel lover, and I'd be like one of those like like oh they're bringing another cast you know the original cast member back, and I get all excited that those little things where yeah. they actually have some continuity uh, to it uh, excites me. Yeah, me too. When you see, even if it's a cameo, you're like, okay, it really is the same universe. It was good enough to bring this person back. Like that, that endorsed it for me. It's legitimate. So, like, okay. Yeah, like yeah, um, right. even if it's for one scene, you're like, ooh, okay. Uh, like, uh, what's the the Sons of Anarchy spinoff? Um, I, I don't the Mayans or whatever. Gotcha. They they did. Gemma Teller, who was Katie Seagal in like the first the pilot episode. It's not a good show, but the fact that they brought her in, she was like a main, you know, staple of the original, kind of gave it like a little bit of an endorsement. Yeah. I guess. I, I'm not a fan of the, the show. I, I think it's terrible, but uh, the, I like Sons of Anarchy. I just, the Mayans is not yeah. the sequel people wanted to see. Uh, they, you know, it kind of like adds a little credence to it. Yeah. You remind me of like sequel spinoffs, like Empty Nest was a spinoff of Golden Girls. Yes, I, I, I love sequel spinoffs, though. But you're right, Estelle Getty or somebody would show up like for one episode, and it's like, well, I'll see you guys later, and that's the last you ever see of that person in the series. Wait, <laughs> bye, see you later. Well, I guess we're stuck. Wait, was it Empty Nest or Golden Palace? Well, Golden Palace was like the sequel, uh, I guess, to Golden Girls. But I think okay, you're talking about spinoffs. Yeah, so like Golden Family Palace. Matters was to Perfect Strangers. It's funny that you mentioned Golden Palace because when I talk about James and I driving home back to the Burbank, uh, Golden Palace episodes are what we would also put on. You'd watch the them? Audio. Listen. Yeah, just listen to the audio of Golden Did Palace. Did you really? Yeah, and because I, I had never really seen it before. And he's, he's kind of explaining what it was. And like, I was like, oh. And I'm like, and I know there's, I, my, one of my best friends is, is a huge Golden Girls fan, and I, it's not really been my uh, thing. So I'm like, well, yeah. let me take a listen to it. Because um, he was going to make some copies for my friend to, to have it, but that's nice you did that and you had access to that. Yeah. What did you think? It's uh, <laughs> it wasn't super annoying with the the sitcom laughter, which I yeah just creates on my every last nerve of if I hear it in the other room of every three and a half seconds of canned <laughs> sitcom laughter. <laughs> You've mentioned that, and I get it. It is it it's irritating when you hear that. You're like, oh. It hurts. It hurts it actually. It's like when you watch old episodes of Seinfeld. The laugh track hurts the story. You just don't need to do those anymore. Yeah, and it's just tinny sound, and I'm just like, just yeah. Yeah, it's crap. Golden Palace. I, I like that you have audio class. I think I feel like whenever you're in your car, you should always have Golden Palace audio on. I it's something. I don't know who else would be. Well, I guess there's probably other people that went there. Like, yeah, I I listen to Golden Palace too. Uh, yeah, Golden Palace. I got it on. Another spinoff is uh, Family Matters and Perfect Strangers. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I guess the Winslows was were the neighbors of Balky and Marklin Baker. Facts of Life from Different Strokes. Facts of Life Mrs. was Garrett. Different Strokes. Yes. Yeah. The Facts of Life. The Facts of Life. I feel like I always want to sing that when I'm in the shower. It's just such a catchy song. And I think, was I may be getting this wrong, was Jefferson's a spinoff of... On the family, or something. Yes, it was. I thought you were going to say is Jefferson the spinoff of um, uh, 
what's the show? Uh, Good Times. That was going to oh. make a racist remark to you okay. that that was racist. But no, I'm just kidding. No, it is. It certainly is. Uh, Jefferson's a spinoff on The Family. So Roseanne. That's why people. That's why you always try to spin off because there's enough. There's there's enough a built-in audience. Yeah. Roseanne could have had a spinoff, but she spun the wheels off of her show. <laughs> that's what. Do you, you know? Quick story about Roseanne. My wife used to work on that set when she oh, yeah. was just like in her twenties, and she said it was she was so terrible to work with. And my wife didn't even work directly with her. She just worked on the set. Was so bad that atmosphere that when the set when a set you know when the show closes, it takes like six weeks to get everything out of there. They got everything out of Roseanne's set the day of. They they worked all night and got rid of. They just wanted her gone because she was so bad uh, and. I, you know, I'm not going to say my wife doesn't know her personally. Just met her yeah. a few times in the set, but the 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 atmosphere on Roseanne was so bad. Like everything you read is true about like she's a nightmare to work with. Uh, I've never met her. She could be lovely. She's always welcome on this show. But let's throw it out there. She lives in Hawaii. So. She lives in Hawaii. <laughs> uh, people change. I I don't judge. But but apparently the set of Roseanne was like the worst okay. thing. She used to live in on. Iowa. She used to live in Iowa? Yeah. Tom Arnold. She said she sounds pretty good to me, all yeah. his credentials. <laughs> but the thing is, like, because I know obviously it became the Connors, and I actually didn't watch uh, the new iterations at all. Um, people are like, well, she's gone. I'm like, she's still making money. It's her characters. So anytime yeah. they're shooting anything, uh, she's probably getting quite the royalty fee uh, to have those characters exist. Yeah. So, yeah, she still had to I approve those characters. And... Don't feel too bad for her. No, no, you shouldn't be crying. She's crying all the way to the bank. The, the new ones aren't that good to be honest, without Roseanne. I mean, they're kind of flat. You you need Roseanne in there, and they're, I don't know, they're kind of forced. Good for them for doing that and for keeping the show going, but well, there's been others, they don't the I mean, same. Like, um, people that have passed away, and it became somebody, Valerie's family and different iterations yeah. where they keep trying to get it going, which I can kind of see, you know, if something's working. Um, but yeah. right, the magic is, gets insane. You lose part of, you know, you take out one piece of the, the Jenga, and it's just not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same makeup. They, they try to do that with um, John Ritter's show. Was it Eight Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter or something? Yeah. They, they kept that going a little bit after he passed away in Burbank. And uh, I can't remember what they called it, but yeah, so some of those... I Eight Simple was... Rules or something. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of more spinoffs now, but I'm running flat. So... Um, I think I think we have a really solid show. Do you want to uh, do you want to wrap this up for this evening? Yeah. Well, this was just the rehearsal. I have actually okay, haven't started we, recording. <laughs> All right. So well, let's start off with the stand. Uh, if you feeling loose? <laughs> I feel like when I edit the show, I'm gonna keep that part of the joke in, Might as well, and then yeah. edit in. All right, let's do it, and then just play the same loop over, <laughs> so people think like, wow. It goes on and on and on. <laughs> anyway, this is a this is a great night. Thank you. Um, thanks for coming coming on again, sir. Likewise, and we'll reconnect when we see Stand Episode Two. Yes, that's uh, coming this uh, tomorrow. I think it is tomorrow. Yeah, it is tomorrow. Thank goodness. Thank what goodness. else do we do on Christmas Eve except watch the Stand Episode Two? Hey, during this COVID nineteen pandemic, I just want to watch horror movies about the pandemic. Yeah. Um, well, so you have you have your other homework too, so. Yes, I have Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part One, the original, right? Or the first one. 
if you watch part two, you get both for the price of one a little bit. So they, they flash back enough to part one. But if you want to be a completist, at least for the first two. If you watch part two and then you watch part one, would you know everything there is in part one already? Um, for the most part. You, obviously, you lose some kind of nuances. Um, okay. But, uh, but yeah. And I, I almost want you to watch part one and you'll be probably flabbergasted of how much they cut back to. <laughs> really? Yeah. You and mean they, ta- they toned it down? No, I mean, they were just like, you know, uh, Eric Freeman, his character would be talking, is like, I didn't, whatever, but Billy did. And then they would cut back for five <laughs> minutes uh, to the original. <laughs> so it's, it's almost shameless of the, the, it the is, answer. It is. And that's where it's, it becomes endearing uh, <laughs> a little Wait, bit. Before we go, can you give me a context, though, of the garbage scene, though, of why that, was that relevant to anything, or was that just a scene? That was, the, and that's the scene that is just garbage day in that line. And I have T-shirts that have garbage day on it. Actually, if, <laughs> no was, way. if you see my picture, of Eric and I are in front of the garbage day house, and I'm wearing my garbage day oh, shirt. Oh no, I gotta find it. Uh, uh, with him. Um, <laughs> Do but, you really? Oh yeah. Um, and, and I was when I, I was like, I was like, oh, I don't know. Is he kind of in on the joke of, you know, this? His this line reading in particular has turned into a viral kind of even before things were going to be viral, you know, became viral. People always said garbage day and just kind of. <laughs> it's uh, just so good. I can't believe I've never heard of this. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised you haven't either. So garbage um, day. Yeah. And and I'll be honest, I tried because I, I had him in the same shot, the line, you know, and yeah. And I was like, do you want to say it? Or, you know, and he's, he kind of thought, he's like, I don't, I don't want to. And I wasn't going to push him, you know. Yeah, right. Because I'm like, if he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to. And, and we talked about it later, and, and he was right. He says, whatever I would do would not live up to the original, you know. It'd he be gets me it. Mimicking just like anybody else. And, and so, oh. um, but I, do, I, do, I did get him to actually utter, actually, the words garbage day in a... Oh, you did sentence, but not in the, not in the way. Oh, right, right. Mission accomplished, though. Yeah. So, um, so they have it to... kind of worked. I'll send you the, the video link too, if I can. Oh, yeah, please do. I'd love to see that. I, I'm looking at the page. They they filmed in the Griffith Park Tunnel with like Roger Rabbit, Back to the Future. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there was a uh, probably um, without uh, proper permits, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, cycle. Um, yeah, I haven't looked at the page in a while, but. But yeah, if you see that cemetery, the, the camera uh, where yeah. the camera is looking is almost the same spot where Dr. Loomis is walking. So, oh um, wow, shot in the the other direction. This is my favorite. The this cop with that with the <laughs> orange lights because you know the police cars. Yes. The orange, the cautionary lights are what pulls You'll people. Notice over. his uh, his hat is hiked up pretty high. I love it for, for a reason. The orange lights, though, are clearly it's a construction vehicle that they just doctored up. Like they bought that. So cheap. this is about one, one or two blocks over from the the cemetery from Halloween, Sierra Madre. Did the cemetery you you got? Whoa! Look at this shot. Look at that in focus, beautiful shot. Oh man, he's pissed. <laughs> You'd be pissed on that shaker sweater too. The shaker sweater. The cemetery. Uh, I don't think I got to that yet. Um, 
I think it was probably earlier, but yeah. So, but the garbage day. This is Sierra Madre City Hall. Yeah, Sierra Madre City Hall. So, um, what was the bird box was shot right in front of there too? With Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. So where they had that kind of intersection scene where uh, there was a crash was kind of oh, right yeah. there. And she ran up the street, and so I think up the street from here is the bird box house too that I've been to. Oh wow. The one where they're holed in when things go to hell? So this is Sierra Madre Main Street. So down the street uh, is kind of where the, the bar from Psycho 3 was. And if you kind of, if you could look Eric across Estrada. the street, uh, that's where um, a lot of Halloween 2 and 3 were shot as well. A couple scenes. Here in Sierra Madre? Yep. Well, that's so cool. What a lovely town. I, I, I would love to go there. It's a great, great place to visit. So. This is a suburb of San Francisco? No, it's in LA. I mean, outside of LA. So Sierra Madre. Sierra Madre. Yep. So I gotta get up there. It's a lovely town. It is. It's kind of a small town, and there just had so many films shot there. That's what I like. Nice shops, like mom and pop stores, bed and breakfast. All the trees are still there. That's what you want. This has changed a little bit, but that was the restaurant. Also, Sierra Madre. Baldwin Avenue. This is... I'm trying to match this up here. So they built onto this, so that's why it doesn't quite... Oh, okay. But this is the wall here? Yeah, yeah. So when it, you, if you go... Good eye! I, I don't even... I wouldn't even be able to put that together. These were Some of these were hard to find, so this wall is still the same, the opposite. Oh, Return of the Living Dead Part 2. That's a great flick. Yep. The Thriller Dance. This is Sierra Madre as well? Yep, yep. All Sierra Madre. Wow. Oh, here, is this a cemetery? No. Uh, no actually, yeah. this is uh, right next to the cemetery. And so that Loomis is, is in, in Halloween. Kind of parking lot that's um, in the park next to the cemetery. So you can literally just walk from one to the other. Nice tree line shot. <laughs> you don't mess around. I... Like this right here could be anything. I know. I, but, but, but you I know. got it. Right trees. <laughs> You're good with the trees. There's Griffith Park for you. There it is. Um, and so, yeah, here's the Garbage Day Street. That house was being worked on at the time. That is a great I, sweater. I had one of those, too, in blue. There, did you have yours in blue? Oh, yeah. Is yeah, almost yeah. The exact same color. I think it was probably the exact same sweater. Yeah, I, 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 I don't remember what happened to it. It was great. And I, I think my first visit there, or maybe it was this visit too, that I did have neighbors come out and kind of ask what I was doing. Um, oh, really? Were they yeah. like upset? No, but they were kind of, usually they, they kind of, sometimes LA people get a little kick out of it. Like, really? Because every street has been used probably. And they said, your house is... Uh, yeah. In this they movie. don't know. They're like, oh, okay. Like, what movie? I'm like, And I'm always like, Silent Night, Deadly Night, too. <laughs> and like, all right. Like... Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part Two. I like that you say the whole title too. Well, yeah, because there's like, and they're like, and I sometimes, I, well, I give them my card, uh, and you know, with so they can contact me for information. But uh, do you have set jetter cards? Yeah. Well, oh, I, I, I got to get one. That's amazing. That's that's amazing. I I got to get one. I don't think I had one handy. I'm gonna um, send you I, postage to uh, return yeah. self-addressed envelope. 
Well, I did it because like sometimes people are like, "What are you doing?" And whatever, and I'm like, "Well, here's my website." So you know. Yeah. No. No. Like, it makes sense. Later, you can kind of see your neighborhood or house uh, kind of on film. Um, no, it makes sense. I think it's a great idea. And also, I just want to comment the orange lights. Just to wrap that up, in in law enforcement and everything, the red lights mean you should pull to the side. It doesn't mean you legally have to. You could be an asshole and not do that. The blue light means you need to pull over. You you yeah, that's a orange lights basically just mean be aware of your surroundings because there's some work going on in the area. So Gosh. the fact that a police car's orange lights, you really don't have to do anything they're saying. It's hilarious. And I love it. I already love this film, Robert. It's kind of like the electric company showing up, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like the gas company. It's like, hey, we gotta take a look. This is amazing. Oh, this film I'm already sold. I'm just gonna go right to the sequel. Uh, yeah, you could, you could for sure. So it, it the sequel kind of moves along. So I gotta find this, houses, but not too much. You got it. You did great shots here. This looks like the the neighbor. I mean, they all do in in L.A. A lot of the old '80s films, but like E.T. or Poltergeist. You know, like that that architecture. It's cool. That style of house for sure. Yeah. You got some great shots here. Oh, nice. This was uh, private residence, and they come outside and ask hey, anything? Those people did not. So not. Not too many people did, but just a couple of people. Um, and I, I was a little bit more worried because uh, when we were shooting video, if you never know who people would call saying, do you have a permit to shoot? And saying, this isn't really... Yeah, right. Do you have a permit? Yeah. They might or might not care. Uh, they could probably tell uh, that we had... Obviously, we have super fancy equipment, but yeah, but you never know. There's the always that stickler still there. The, the sun here, yeah. Oh, that's so. What is that thing? I think it's like a sunroof thing, maybe or something. Yeah, that's cool. A little bubble. This Those is... are the clues that I you look for sometimes. You use that unique thing. I noticed that when you posted. Uh... Oh, I forget what it was. It might, but I think it was Dumb and Dumber. There's like there's a one shot where he's on the this, the payphone in the hotel parking lot. That could be anywhere. But you oh, look yeah. in the back and you see the steps going up, and you it was like, oh, that's like a good matchup right there. Yeah, that's all you have sometimes. Yeah, you do a great job. It's that's very difficult same, to do. Same fence, you know. That's why this is the garbage. Oh yeah, that's pretty great. Google Maps is a friend of yours, then. It is. I don't know if um. That's because that's not easy to do. Because these really could be anywhere. Yeah. To to, I, to to the normal eye. And honestly, I can't remember how I initially found this, but. Um, and then once I found one thing, I was like, "Oh, everything was right there." Look, he's like a ghost. I think gone. it actually made it. Actually, might have been that trash can had the address on it. So. Oh really? Yeah, I think it's a three eighty or something like that. Oh, that's perfect. Sure, if that's the yeah. There's the flip. Stunt. Silent Night, Deadly Night. Listeners, check it out. This is the uh, Set Jetter. Robert Patterson for Set Jetter Saturdays. We are going to... Uh... I, 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 I didn't realize. I st I, I'm glad I didn't stop the screen sharing. I thought I was just talking and I stopped it. <laughs> and I was just being rude, so I apologize for that. Yeah. By the way, I'm sorry, listeners, for rambling there. I do encourage you to go to set-jetter.com. You will get lost there. It is a rabbit hole that you'll go down. 
and you will explore and you'll click on things and then you'll think, oh, what a, that was that. This, oh, let me, and then you'll go back to his list and it's hours and hours of entertainment, which and is true. you might find some movies that you should watch like Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Yes, or The Gate 2. Or The Gate 2, yeah. That's a little there, hard to get through. <laughs> there, is it? Uh, if, when I remember, I had a really bad copy I was working with. It It was before it came out on Blu-ray, too. There are movies, though, I've seen on your website that I've, like, Wikipedia'd, and I have watched them. I think one was uh, Phantasma or something like that. The that's not a real... <laughs> that's not a real movie, is it? Phantasma, I think that was the name of a... Phantasm. Character. Because J.J. Abrams was a fan of Phantasm. Yes. So he named the that character after phantasm good point and made her completely silver like the phantasm silver yeah she was very silvery very shiny but there are films like i've uh, stuff that i've watched on um i've seen on your website or things that you've instagrammed that i went ahead and watched that were pretty good i'm trying to think of one right now but uh yeah it's a good way to like explore learn new stuff and see like the architecture of how they set up you know sets you know like like we mentioned before it could be the next frame over the next scene is 30 miles in the other direction or a different state and through movie magic it's it's seamless it looks like you're right it's right there yeah yeah i love i love that movie magic and i kind of like when i get tricked and i'm thinking of halloween h2o where there's a scene where uh on shot a they're looking at you know the east side of the building and the reverse shot is on a completely different other side of the building looking the other way to make it look like it's this big campus and i was like Oh, I was fooled. How could how could I be fooled into this? How could I be fooled? I was tricked, but it works. And you're able to do it. What was the film we spoke of last show where they just did reverse? They oh, just rever- reverse uh, the shot. White, white bird in a blizzard. It was the same house, but in yes. Reverse. And it, it was literally, and it was such an you know obscure house with like a big gash or something that you're like, yeah. it, it clearly is the same house with the frames reversed. Yeah. And if I was a little bit smarter. Uh, I would probably would have read into the film that it was there's probably an artistic reason it was the same house, but that went that went over my head. <laughs> I don't I don't know, Robert. I I doubt it. I think it was just lazy filmmaking. I think it was little money. And let's little just money. Do yeah, that's usually the case on, on on why you have that happen. It was the case in Children of the Corn when they ran out of money at the end. They go the end. <laughs> that was it. The credits just start coming. Literally, I think they, they, I think they they're like mid dialogue, and the credits just start. coming. They knock out the I girl in the car. In the <laughs> I guess we should go. And literally, some accountant was going like this, wrapping uh, up, and they go the end, and that's that was what it. Do to this episode is just like halfway. There. Like, well, I, then the credits just go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the set chatter, Robert Patterson. Thank you for being on the show. You're listening to the podcastle. Tweet us at the underscore podcastle. Check us out for free on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Roku, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. From the maestro in Nebraska. To the jackass in Los Angeles. We are Set Jetter Saturdays. Thank you for listening and see you next week, folks. I didn't come to ask you to stay all night to find out, baby, if you've seen the light. I didn't come to make a fuss or pick a fight. I just want you to tell me if you. 